Dear Lord, as we make our offerings to you this morning, we pray that uh, they will be applied for your purpose, Lord God. We thank you for giving us generous hearts, Lord. We thank you for giving us the resources from which we can give to your work. And we pray that, um, that as we share back what you have provided for us, that your kingdom will grow, Lord God, that you bless those who administer the use of these funds with wisdom, Lord, that you fill them with your Holy Spirit and you inspire them to be aligned with your plans and purposes, Lord God, and that these resources will be used to help bring about your plans and purposes, your kingdom plans and your kingdom purposes, Lord God. Amen. There's a passage in the gospel that I have steadfastly avoided preaching about <laughs> for more years than, uh, than, than is worth attempting to record. It's a passage that on the surface shows Jesus as being somewhat self-centred, somewhat spiteful or, or vengeful and somewhat at odds with the laws of creation. That's only on the surface. And as we heard this morning, we, we are called not to scratch around on the surface, but to dig deep wells. Okay, so let's dig some deep wells here uh, and find out what might be beneath the surface uh, in this passage, which is in Mark's Gospel chapter 11, verses 12 to 24. And uh, there's a little bit in the middle of that that I'll actually skip over because it's, this story has a first part and a second part and there's an intermission. And I won't worry about the intermission. I'll only look at the first part and the second part. So, the next day, Jesus was leaving Bethany. He was hungry. And I'm reading from the easy to read version for those of you that are trying to follow this in the NIV or the RSV or King James or some other version. Jesus was hungry. He saw a fig tree with leaves. So he went to the tree to see if it had any figs growing on it. He was hungry, but he found no figs on the tree. There were only leaves because it was not the right time for figs to grow. So Jesus said to the tree, people will never eat fruit from you again. His followers heard him say this. And then moving on to verse 20. The next morning, Jesus was walking with his followers. They saw the fig tree that he spoke to the day before. The tree was dry and dead, even the roots. It was completely dead. There was no hope that it might recover. Peter remembered the tree and said to Jesus, Teacher, look, yesterday you told that fig tree to die. Now it is dry and dead. Jesus answered, have faith in God. 
And he goes on. The truth is, you can say to this mountain, go mountain, fall into the sea. Like the song that we sang this morning about um, the mountains being overcome. And if you have no doubts in your mind and believe that what you say will happen, then God will do it for you. So I tell you to ask for what you want in prayer. And if you believe that you have received those things, then they will be yours. So Jesus is is using this occasion to teach his followers about faith. And if we have faith, what we can achieve through prayer. And they had just seen something happen. A live tree one day, completely and utterly dead the next. And Jesus was using that as an example of the power of prayer and of praying in faith. And we'll talk a little bit more about faith later. But I think there's, some, there's more in this story, and I want to go back to verse 20 and have a look at this dead fig tree. Why did this story turn out this way? If Jesus was hungry, he could have met his needs by doing something miraculous. He could have brought figs forth from this tree, even if it was the wrong season. This is the Jesus who calmed the stormy seas. This is the Jesus who fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. This is Jesus who turned water into wine. Jesus has command over the natural world and he can do whatever he sets out to do. And he could easily have caused this fig tree to produce fruit instantaneously. Why did he not do so? Clearly, he was trying to teach us something. He wasn't just having a hissy fit. Uh, And, you know, when I first... I'm a a biologist, a a forester. I I love gardening. I understand about seasons and, 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 you know, when... It's the right time to expect a particular kind of tree to be producing its fruit or plant or whatever. And so to sort of pick on a poor old tree because it didn't have any fruit on it and it was the wrong season anyway, to me that just seems bizarre. And I have puzzled over that aspect of this passage for many, many years, decades Honestly, I thought, why is that story in the gospel? It just doesn't make sense that that Jesus would kill this tree just because it didn't have some fruit on it when he was hungry. It just doesn't seem right. Well, here's my one big idea for this morning. This is, this is the one thing I'm asking you to take home with you today. And if there's more, that's just a bonus. When Jesus is around, it's always the right season. When Jesus is around, it's always the right season to produce fruit. Now, how can I say that? You know, what... What scriptural justification do I have for making that statement? Or is it just a nice idea that I had? 
Some of you will have walked on this carpet. It's, it's the carpet from the um, living room in our old house. It's the tree of life pattern. And if you look closely and you had the time to do so, you would see that this pattern is it's kind of a tree, but it's got 12 different flowers showing. And that's what the tree of life is. It's a tree that produces flowers and produces fruit in every month of the year. 12, that's why there's 12. And this idea of the tree of life comes from the book of Revelation. Chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. And this, this uh, links back to the reference that Adrian made to Elijah and uh, dry places and living water. There's, there's actually quite a few connections. God brought these about between things that have already been said this morning by Robin and by Fred and by Adrian, even things that were spoken from this lectern last week, from the songs that were chosen this morning. And I just take that as an affirmation that God, God has been preparing the way, that the thoughts that I've had over the last few weeks preparing for today are in tune with what God is saying and doing here this morning. The angel showed me the river of the water of life Clear as crystal, the river flows from the throne of God and the Lamb. It flows down the middle of the street of the city. The tree of life is on each side of the river and it produces fruit every month. Twelve times a year, the leaves of the tree are for healing the nations. Fruit and leaves. So here we have the river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb and watering the tree of life. The river of life watering the tree of life that produces fruit in every month of the year. There is a direct connection between Jesus, the Lamb of God on the throne, from whom the river of the water of life flows to the tree of life that produces fruit in every season, in every month of the year. Now, this is a long introduction to what I would like to talk about this morning, which is fruitfulness for each of us. Fruitfulness. What does it mean for us to be full of fruit in every season? Not just on a good day. Not just when we feel like it. Not just when the sun is shining, but in every season. Because if we are close to Jesus, if we believe in Jesus and we are living our life in a partnership with Jesus, we should expect to be receiving the water of the river of life 
And like the tree of life, we should be producing fruit in every season. So let's have a look at the other um, passages of Scripture in the New Testament that talk about fruit and fruitfulness. And I'm going to look at two of them. The first one is um, the second letter of Peter, chapter 1. And I'm looking at verses 2 to 15. But I want to start with verse 8. If all these things are in you and growing, you will never fail to be useful to God. Now, who does not wish to be useful to God? If these things are in you and growing, you will never fail to be useful to God. You will produce the kind of fruit that should come from your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these, these things, whatever they are, we'll find out in a minute, that are in you and growing are essential ingredients for the kind of fruit that should come from your knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what are these things? What are these things growing in you that will never fail to be useful to God? It sounds important. If these are things that will never fail to be useful to God, that's important. What are they? So going back to the beginning of this passage, verse 2. Grace and peace be given to you more and more because now you know God and Jesus our Lord. Jesus has the power of God and his power has given us everything we need to live a life devoted to God. Everything we need. We have these things because we know him. Jesus chose us by his glory and goodness through which he also gave us the very great and rich gifts that he promised us. With these gifts, you can share in being like God. And so you will escape the ruin that comes to people in the world because of the evil things they want. Because you have these blessings, do all you can to add to your life these things. And here we go. These are the things. To your faith, add goodness. To your goodness, add knowledge. To your knowledge, add self-control. To your self-control, add patience. To your patience, add devotion to God. To your devotion, add kindness to your brother, toward your brothers and sisters in Christ. And to this kindness, add love. Faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, patience, devotion to God, kindness... Love. 
Now, there's something about the way these things are presented which intrigues me. Elsewhere in the, in the scriptures, we're talked about things that are given, um, and we will look briefly at, at um, the gifts or the fruit of the Holy Spirit in a minute. But there's a sense in which this is not something, these are not things that we receive. We receive the power to express these things in our life. But, but the fact that we talked about adding this to this to this to this, it's something that we do. You know, I, I am encouraged to add goodness to my faith. I am encouraged to add knowledge to my goodness. It's a choice that I make. I'm being asked to desire goodness or self-control or patience or devotion to God. It's a choice that I am making about how I'm going to live my life now that I've come to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. And there's another thing about this. I mean, we're, we're not perfect. We're going to fall short of um, what's expected of us and even of what we expect of ourselves. And Dee talked about that in the communion message, uh, about when we muck up and we don't do what we had hoped and intended to do. And, and I, I, can, I can tell you an example um, that over the last few weeks, my patience has been eroded by the behaviour of two guys. Um, and I've been conscious of it happening. I haven't quite known where to go with it, but I have just felt my patience becoming eroded. I've become less and less patient with these two guys. <laughs> but, you know, I, I choose to be a patient person, and most people would actually look upon me as quite a patient person. And that's a choice I've made in my life, going back many, many years, to develop that character of patience in my life. But here it is, being eroded. And the other day, one of them was mowing the lawn, and here he is chasing the other one, who's in bare feet, running backwards on long grass, probably this far from the, you know, and it's all a big joke, ha, ha, ha. And I absolutely lost it. Now, most of you would probably have likewise absolutely lost it. But I really lost it. And I swore at these guys. I, just, I was shouting at the top of my voice. I was so angry, you know, and even let the F word go. That's how angry I was. But that is no excuse. Because, you know, I choose to live my life with self-control. That's, that's, that's a value I have chosen, to live my life in a self-controlled way. And here I was, crossing that boundary. Now, the point of this story is, what do you do when that happens? You know, and, and I immediately regretted it. And at the very first opportunity, I apologised to each of the guys for what I'd said and how I'd said it. And it's very important. So if we choose to live according to these qualities, these characters, and it is our choice, and we fall short in, in any way, we have to address it and not just let it go. 
You know, and I have to rebuild patience in my attitude towards those guys. And I have to rebuild self-control. You know, I used to be, I used to have a foul mouth in my teens. I was actually known for having a foul mouth by other people. And, and a big part of my Christian walk in the early days of coming to faith in Jesus Christ was leaving that language behind. It has actually been a big thing in my life. And to exercise self-control over that has been something I've had to be quite diligent about, you know, quite conscientious about, quite deliberate about. So here I am, all these years later, and for that to come out in a moment is actually quite distressing to me. But I took the power of it away immediately by recognising what it was and apologising for it. And I think there's an important um, lesson there for all of us. We do fall short, but there is a way to deal with things when we fall short. And part of it is acknowledging that by apologising. And part of it is bringing it to God in prayer and repenting of it, um, as I have done in that particular case. Now let's read on, because there's a little bit more in this passage for us. And I just... Having looked at those things, there they are up on the board, I just want to go back to verse 8 again briefly. If all these things are in you and growing, you will never fail to be useful to God. Now look at them. They're simple things. We understand each of those things. And if they are in you and growing you will never fail to be useful to God. You will produce the kind of fruit that should come from your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. If you want to produce those fruit, shape your life around those things. So reading on from verse 8. This is Peter. But those who don't grow in these blessings are blind. They cannot see clearly what they have. They have forgotten that they were cleansed from their past sins. This is the opposite of being useful to God. My brothers and sisters, God called you and chose you to be his. That's every one of us. Do your best to live in a way that shows you really are God's called and chosen people. Do your best. If you do all this, you will never fall. You might stumble. I stumbled the other day. But there's a difference between a stumble and a fall. When you stumble, you catch your balance and you get back to your feet. When you fall, you fall. And you will be given a very great welcome into the kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, a kingdom that never ends. Can you imagine that? You know, walking through the gates of heaven and you, you being given a very great welcome.
What a fantastic thought. That your entry into heaven would be celebrated. You will be given a very great welcome into the kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, a kingdom that never ends. You already know these things. You do. You already know these things. I'm not telling you anything new. I'm not telling you something you don't know. You are very strong in the truth you have. But I am always going to help you remember them. This is what Peter was writing, but I say the same thing. I am always going to help you remember them. While I am still living here on earth, I think it is right for me to remind you of them. Now this bit's Peter. I know that I must soon leave this body. Our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that. I will try my best to make sure you remember these things even after I am gone. And here I am, 2,000 years later, reminding you about these things. So Peter achieved what he set out to achieve. All right, enough of Peter. This is Paul. His well-known reference to fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, in his letter to the Galatians. Chapter 5, verses 21 to 22. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not exactly the same list, but there are some common elements. And this passage refers to God's Spirit alive in us, working in partnership with our choices to live right. We, we choose to live right. We choose those things that are written about in Peter's letter. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit is at work in us, honouring our choices and strengthening us and working with us to produce these fruit. To me, it's, it's a wonderful demonstration of how we partner with the work of God. The choices that we make are reinforced by the Holy Spirit working in us. But if we don't choose to live our life with patience and self-control and goodness and kindness and knowledge and faith and devotion to God and life, if those things are absent from our life, the fruit of the Spirit can hardly be evident in our life. You know, the two things are needed. Our own choice to live our life in a certain way and the Holy Spirit at work in us to produce the fruit that we're talking about. Now there's some very important things about these references to fruit. It's not 
theoretical head knowledge stuff. We could make it into that, you know, a bit like me setting a quiz. These are the ten fruit that are mentioned in the scriptures. And I could make, make it a quiz, you know. Who, who knows? Who can name each of those ten fruit? And some of us are really attracted to that idea, you know, like, I can work this out, it's, you know, I can, I can find it, I'll find this, there's a clue, I'll find this, and I'm the best, I got nine out of ten. <laughs> well, I bet no one's going to get any better than nine out of ten, but um, the point is, in some ways, we do like to engage with things at an intellectual level and to understand how things fit together intellectually, etc. Well, these passages about fruitfulness that we're looking at this morning are not to titillate your intellectual fantasies and to make you feel good about knowing what the right answer is or how things are connected at all. So put that aside. It's not ornamental. It's not just something that sounds good or, or feels good or looks good. You know, that is not the point of these passages to sort of extract some pleasure from the way they're presented and the harmony and how everything fits together and something. It's also easy for us sometimes in our Christian walk to be distracted by the appearance of things. Okay? But this is not about the appearance of fruit. Fruit... Fruit... It's there to be served to others. It's there to provide nourishment. It's there to enrich the lives of others and to lead them to life everlasting. This is what makes us useful to God, is us leading other people to life everlasting, to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do that by sharing the fruit that we're given through the Holy Spirit and the fruit that we choose to display in our lives by the choices we make about how we live our life. And I have to tell you, in the same way that children are pre-programmed to prefer sweet food over sour food, that's, that's a way that, you know, when children are little, they like sweet food and, and they don't generally like bitter or sour food. Now, that's because most bitter and sour food on the planet, food, is poisonous. And so it's a protective mechanism for them to prefer things that are sweet. Well, it's the same in our life. And I, as some of you know, I, I visit prisoners. And I'm telling you, people are pre-programmed to receive kindness and goodness and patience and self-control. And the smallest kindness to these guys opens up their hearts. The smallest thing, you know, like holding a door open, they just expect that you're going to walk through the door and it's going to clang shut and they'll have to open it themselves. The smallest kindness to stand back and say, no, you go. You take this chair, I'll get another one. Would you like a cup of tea? I'm talking about hard-bitten criminals. But those tiny little kindnesses are received positively because 
People are pre-programmed by God to receive what is good. And so if, we're, if that's what we're sharing, they're pre-programmed to receive what we have to share with them. And it's a starting point, a connection point from which a relationship can grow. And to the kindness, we add something, you know, as the relationship grows. And we hope, what we hope is to be able to share the love of Jesus Christ and the love of the, and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and to bring others to the same point that we have. So be encouraged that people are pre-programmed by God to receive good things from us, even in small measure. So, how do we do this? How, how do we share this fruit that we aspire to? We make these choices. Goodness, patience, self-control, kindness, knowledge, devotion to God, faith, love. I probably missed a couple. How do we actually share these things with others? Because it's one thing to... You know, to sit here and just hear me speak about it, that's the intellectual stuff. And, and if I do it well, it might be the ornamental stuff as well. Who knows? Some nice pictures to look at. But the really important thing is how do we do it? How do we share it? How do we actually take these good things out to the world and share the fruit that we have with others? Well, there are so many opportunities to do so just within this fellowship. An incredible number. And we should really celebrate that. It's, it's fantastic. But we should also be examining where we're at in our daily life and thinking, is there something more that I have to offer? Is there something else I can do? Is there a part of the life of this church that is taking the fruit out to others that I can also be a part of. Now, I've just listed a few of them here. I was going to say not in any particular order, but they're actually in alphabetical order. These are, some of these are small things and some of these are big things. The bus stop barista. That's a small ministry that this church is involved in. Many people might not know what it is. Ask me later. City Light Missions. Kid City, Luminate, Mercy Aid International, Namara Village, Prison Fellowship, Southern Christian College. Huge connection between this fellowship and Southern Christian College. Super Shout. Now, you might not have heard of all these things. I think some of them are going to get a little bit more airplay over the weeks and months ahead. But there's plenty of other things that people in this fellowship are also involved in that, that represent expressing the fruit that we've been talking about and sharing those fruit with others. People in this fellowship are involved in the Australian Christian Lobby, in Family Voice Australia, in foster parenting. Last week we heard about the proposal to um, establish healing rooms, life groups. Many people in this fellowship are involved in life groups. Now, the fruit that we're talking about sharing is not just to be shared with the big wide world, it's also to be shared within the fellowship 
to help each other and build each other up and encourage each other, help each other through difficult times, life groups. Pathways Tasmania, which Aldo's heavily involved in, helping young people to live a life free of addiction. Uh, Youth with a Mission, I could go on and on, and if I've neglected to mention something that you're involved in, I apologise. But the point is, there are many, 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 many different ways already within this fellowship that we can um, contribute to and we can share fruit. And it could just be uh, in your everyday life, in your everyday home life, you know, with your neighbours, with your school friends, with your workmates or teammates in a sports team. Not some other thing that's already happening in the church, you know, with, it's got a name, but just the way you live your life day to day amongst the people that you interact with. You can choose to add goodness to your faith. You can choose to add knowledge to your goodness, self-control to your knowledge, patience to your self-control, devotion to God to your patience. Kindness, kindness, such a simple thing to do to your devotion to God and love to your kindness. Maybe God gives you a new vision for something that's not already represented in this fellowship, but you are convinced by God to start this new thing, to share the fruit with the world. I I would encourage you to do that. But most of all, Let's go back to that one big thing. If we are in partnership with Jesus, we are following Jesus, we have chosen to believe in Jesus, then every season is a season for producing fruit. Every season. There's no excuse. There's no no season when it's okay to be the fig tree with no fruit. You know, think of the tree of life that produces fruit 12 months of the year because it's drawing its nourishment from the water of the river of life, which flows from the throne of the Lamb of God. That's that's where we are. You know, we are part of that tree of life to produce fruit. So please, if you, um, if you resonate with what I'm about to pray, then just acknowledge that by saying amen. And if, if um, are we having some more music happening? Yeah, so you guys might like to find your way up onto the stage. Dear Lord, we thank you that you have a plan and a purpose For this world, we thank you that you have revealed your plans and your purposes to us. We thank you that despite our failures, our frailness, our fickleness, that we are judged worthy to serve you and that our faith in you, Lord Jesus, qualifies us 
to bear good fruit on your behalf. And we thank you for the message from Peter's second letter about the qualities of fruitfulness, Lord. And I pray for each person here that we will be challenged by you through your Holy Spirit about our faith, about our goodness, about our knowledge, about our self-control, about our patience, about our devotion to God, about our kindness, about our love. Lord, be at work in each one of us through your Holy Spirit, tempering that steel, refining us, helping us to, to be better fruit on your behalf, Lord Jesus. And we ask these things in your name, Jesus, because we know from your word that it is what you intend. We, we seek to live in harmony with your intent, Lord. So build these fruit in each one of us. Give us uh, understanding. Give us strength. And when we fall short, Lord, give us humility to um, acknowledge our failure, to seek forgiveness, to repent, to strive to, um, to follow this path towards the love that you would have us share with others. And Lord, test also our um, commitment to ministry. Which, which are the areas of faithful service that you want us to be active in, Lord God? Rise up in us, living water. Burst forth. And convince us of um, any changes, any new decisions we might need to make. Something new to be involved in. A stronger focus on some aspect of our behaviour. Patience, kindness, self-control, whatever. Be at work in us through your Holy Spirit, we pray. As we seek to become more like you. We ask these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.